You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. All right, how are you guys doing? I hope you guys have had a fantastic day so far. And uh, we're going to start this thing off talking about China just for just for a second. I know. I know maybe you guys, let, let me know in the comments. Like, do you guys actually enjoy talking with stuff outside of Ukraine that encapsules in, in, in the entire planet, you know, that we do live in? But before I want to let you guys know that my guys are actually inside of Ukraine on the ground right now. I got two guys, my main camera guy and a journalist that hired, really nice guy. So they've been working on stuff recently and I spoke with them. They've actually started to film already the documentary. They're going to do multiple parts or multiple different ones. I'm really excited to share with you guys because they're literally going to be embedded at times with some of the units that are on the front line. So I cannot wait to actually share with you guys here very, very soon. Now I went on a podcast this last week. And I'm going to insert a little bit of a piece for you guys to see if it's something you actually enjoy. They started doing this random shit that you would see in like movies. Like they would take their helmet and like bring it up over to like try to get him to shoot at it so they can try to figure out where he's at. And they finally do this. And the gentleman we spoke about earlier figured out where this guy was shooting at to then engage him. So then Benji legitimately did a like a, a burpee. Literally did a fucking burpee. Had the guy shoot at him to engage and then the other seal literally fucking took out the, the sniper at the same time. Like this, we were, this was a, like, what you talk about chaotic moment that's going on, all this shit's going on. And they're still engaging us like a motherfucker from the village. The village. You guys want to hear my entire story about fighting in Afghanistan against the Taliban, which is, which this is going to be the place you guys want to go. I do also have a book out there. I, I've never actually really actually told you guys about that. Yeah. Earned on you and typed in earned on, on Amazon, it doesn't really matter. Anyway, I will actually link this thing. I tell a bunch of personal stories, which I've never shared with you guys. Go listen to the, the podcast. It's very good. It's linked at the very top of the description. It's very good. I think it's really good. So if you want to go hear some bunch of war stories and the first time I ever killed somebody and stuff like that, you guys can go listen to it. It's over there. So, all right. So previous episode, you guys know we talked about Nancy Pelosi. Just She was just getting there. Like she was just getting it. She pissed him off. You know, like today's a big day. Like literally. Today's a big day. They're going to be starting all their, their live drills. They, well, they started them yesterday. They started doing them yesterday. Excuse me. Now, the surrounding areas around Taiwan have been hitting. Uh, they've been hit pretty pretty decently with, with basically just missiles in the water. Let's just be honest with you. Uh, but they've actually decided to stomp their foot in anger uh, a day early. Uh, they, came, they came back and they were shooting ballistic missiles towards Japan. Yes, two days ago they decided, you know what, I'm so freaking mad because Nancy Pelosi decided to go there. Yes, five Chinese ballistic missiles actually landed within the Japanese exclusive economic zone. That is a mouthful. But Japan's foreign ministry has actually called for an immediate stop to all China's military drills around Taiwan. And that didn't happen, of course. This literally just happened a couple hours. It's just so, it's so goofy. So I'm not entirely sure why China needed to actually go and shoot missiles towards Japan, other than the fact that they're an ally to the United States. But, I mean, what do toddlers do when they get mad? Toddlers, that is. What, what, what do they do? They stomp their feet and they take it out on everyone else around them. That's pretty much what China's like, oh, I'm so bad. That's pretty much what China's doing. Now, China has, of course, summoned the U.S. ambassador, telling them that Pelosi is playing with fire. Yes, and the U.S. must pay for its mistakes. The United States is going to pay. It's going to pay hard. Fast and long. 
don't know exactly what that means. But anyway, going back to what I've said a few separate times in previous episodes, when it comes to these countries who are all barking no bite, what is the price for this mistake? This is a Taiwan的參與文之流,抱著美國的粗腿不放,被起民族大義。Now, the best part about that clip is the fact that he actually does claim that whoever offends China must be penalized. This goes back to exactly what I said in the previous episode, that they're going to be a bit tilted. Yes, a bit tilted if you guys do not play poker. It's when you lose a bad hand, you should have won. You're like, oh, I'm so mad, I'm so mad. That's exactly what it is. They're tilted in the sense that they've been extremely embarrassed by the United States. And this is, this is a big thing inside of their culture. They cannot seem weak to their civilian population. That's another reason why they're most likely going to stomp their feet in, in anger. And they thought it was going to be a good idea to send missiles towards Taiwan, not just towards it, but up and over it. Now, China is currently not prepared to go to war with the United States. I'm just going to be honest with you. Or they would have done something a few days back. Now, I could see them getting so mad and so embarrassed in the coming weeks that they, they could possibly maybe go after one of the outer-lying islands that are a part of Taiwan, one of the smaller ones. Okay, you know, Taiwan, of course, is an island. There's little bits and pieces that surround it. Now, you know, this is really interesting, and some of you may not know this, but the PLA, okay, the PLA is actually an armed wing of the Chinese Communist Party, and it's actually not... It's actually, it's actually not an independent military, so it's basically the equivalent of like the Republican Party or like the Democratic Party having its own military. It's also kind of crazy because the PLA also owns companies, which is insane if you think about it, in the sense that they're so heavily in, intertwined or in, yeah, entwined with a lot of the companies inside of China. So if the U.S. did actually decide to hit China with sanctions, then they would actually be sanctioning the Chinese, the PLA, in a sense, on a certain level. It's just kind of crazy to me when you guys actually dig a little bit deeper, you get like this, it's just seeing how strange the Chinese PLA military, I guess it actually is and how it works. And I would assume most people don't even realize that. So there it is. I'm going to shift a little bit more away from there and, and go towards Taiwan, what they've been doing in regards of Taiwan. They've been firing missiles into the waters near the northern side and the southern side of the island. A total as of right now is 11 ballistic missiles have actually touched down inside the water. It's pretty scary. Uh, I guess targeting the I don't know, the, the marine life. Anyway, Beijing's also said that they're going to make good on its promise that Taipei will pay the price for hosting Pelosi. <laughs> China actually went as far to blockade the island and apparently will be doing it so like as a routine drill. They also are expecting the Chinese to ramp up a bit more uh, when it comes to shooting conventional missiles over the island of Taiwan. This is the first time it's ever happened. 
So the Taiwan military, Taiwan government decided they weren't going to use, they didn't use 3-6 Mafia at least. Uh, the Chinese decided to use 3-6 Mafia. Very strange. I didn't realize that until I uploaded the video. But anyway, hey, look at this. They're doing the same thing. They're showing their mighty strength and what's going on. And they sent this video out so China knows, look, Taiwan Air Force is even saluting them. So just giving them the old finger. But yeah, look at this. It looks beautiful. That's a really interesting looking logo. Ministry of National Defense. And then you, you have this video of men and, and women and they're at sea. They definitely have a mask on still, which is somewhat kind of interesting. And while they're at sea, look at them. They're talking on their phone. Yes, now they're getting the old jets fired up. Look at them. Oh, those look like, wow, those look like American-made stuff. So that's good. At least they got a bunch of good American-made. Oh my God, Humvees. They're ready. See, they're telling them, we can shoot you out of the sky. And now they actually have some English stuff you can read, but there you go. There's the uh, warning. So that clip you guys just saw, well, actually, there was two of them, were actually from the Taiwan Armed Forces. And from what I can understand, they're will, they're, they're will to fight. But if push came to shove, they would actually need a little bit of help from America. Like, a lot. Which, as of right now, I'm not fully sure if America is actually willing to step in fully. Like, do you, any, like any of you guys, like right now listening or watching or whatever, do you believe that America would actually step in to fully support Taiwan if the PLA actually did, in fact, invade the main island of Taiwan or any of the smaller islands? Some question I want to ask. Please, let me know. Now, Taiwan's military has said that it is preparing for war without seeking war, which is fairly smart. And I don't believe it's, it's going to come down to it. I really don't. Like I've said before, this would have been one of the largest beach landings, or one of them, in history. And I really don't think it would fare too well for the Chinese military. It's very difficult. So China's also suspended any dialogue with the United States on military issues and climate change, which is somewhat ironic because their country, China, is one of the main ones that is actually causing the most pollution. I'm just going to throw that out there. China's also canceling these items. Be ready for this. They're crazy. China, U.S. theater commander's talk. China, U.S. De well, okay, I don't have to say this every time. U.S. Defense Policy Coordination Talks, U.S. Military Maritime Consultative Agreement Meeting. Now, don't know what that is, but they're they're canceling that. They're going to be suspending these items. You ready? The cooperation of repatriation uh, of illegal immigrants, cooperation on legal assistance in criminal matters, cooperation against transnational crimes, counter narcotics cooperation. And China-U.S. talks on climate change. As you will notice, not a single thing they are wanting to talk about has to do with their financial system. I'm going to throw it out there. These are some very scary, harsh punishments from an, literally stemming from an 80-year-old lady visiting an island that isn't even theirs. So way to go, China. You are crazy. All right, so we're going to go ahead and move on from this Chinese talk, or China talk, or however we want to talk about it for the time being. Because it's really not going to go anywhere, and I, well, as of right now, as of today, as of making this. But the Taliban, yes, they have responded to the strike on the terrorist leader. Yes, they have been, huh, you know, the one that was staying inside of Kabul, their country, their major city, the one that got there like four days afterwards. Was going to say, they claim they had no idea that this guy was staying inside of their country, which is funny because U.S. Intel claims that he moved in just four days after we left. So Taliban officials strongly condemned, yes, they condemned the U.S. strikes and said the U.S. United States invaded their territory and violated international principles. Okay, so these, I, I think, what do they need? $7 billion in assistance because their country is so backwards and has no economy whatsoever that they literally need financial assistance 
They have nothing to eat. And they're just, it's just, I've been there. I've spent a lot of time there. And it's without aid from the United States, there's literally nothing for it. Like that country's just, ugh. Anyway, like when has the Taliban ever had any principles? Just going to throw this out there. We, they say they violated international in- principles. Like when have they ever had any? Like the things I've personally seen them do to humans sometimes, well, it's very disgusting, like using boys for pleasure and cutting off people's hands for possibly stealing. Yet they're the ones that are out here telling the world about principles. Then they followed up by, by giving us a warning. Yes, they wanted to warn the United States because only people with good principles will say something like this. Okay, if such action is repeated, the responsibility for any consequences will be on the United States. So once again, we are seeing a group trying to bully the United States, which seems to be a new growing trend as of late. I can assure you that maybe not all lower level Taliban members knew about this gentleman, but I can guarantee the upper level members and leaders knew about this dude's whereabouts. They hold little meetings like I've, I've been in them. They do. That's like a thing. So way to go. I, I just don't. I just don't get it. And the, the most ironic thing about it all is the pictures of them carrying around these M- M16s. They have their their man dresses on and in their, their their camo shirts for some reason, and then like their flip flops. They're carrying like an M16 from like Vietnam. And you're like, I'm thinking to myself, do do these guys? I, I get it. Like it, people say that we lost in Afghanistan. Okay, you know why that war was such a failure? It's because of pol- politicians. If they said, hey, you know what, U.S. military, just go in there, cleanse, clean, get rid of the bad guys. Hands off. Just go in there and do it. But we had upper-level leadership. Like, I've actually spoke directly to my battalion commander who actually, like, I, I, I asked him. Like, some of the stuff that we were doing didn't make any sense. Like, why are we doing this? Let's let it go out here and let us do our job, cleanse and get rid of all these, these terrible people who are doing these things to the civilian population. And let's just get out of here. That's pretty much what we should have done. But they wanted to go in and they wanted to rebuild and regroup and do all this. It, it, just, it just wasn't going to work like that. It's just, ah. Anyway, doesn't really matter. We're getting our revenge on the guys that actually took took out took out a bunch of American civilians in 9-11, which is a good thing. So we're going to go ahead and move on to our normal stuff and hope you guys are enjoying these random bits and pieces outside of Russia and Ukraine. But apparently the talking heads of Russian TV are now wanting to imprison, yes, parents of children who are using VPNs. So my God, these people are absolutely insane. Like, at least the normal host of this show, which we've seen this guy go a little bit off the rail sometimes, but he has a little bit of common sense here saying that if they try to impose these type of laws and they would literally be the only ones in the world trying to do something that isn't 
that's not even they're not even capable of doing. Like imagine wanting to completely control a population, steer them in a direction so much that you were scared that they're going to be using a VPN because you don't want them to watch YouTube videos, which is actually kind of crazy because at one point, 7% of my audience was Russian. Yes, I know that. I know you Russians are watching this. I know you're having to read down there in the bottom. So how are you guys doing over there in Russia? I hope you guys are having a fantastic day figuring out what your country is doing inside of Ukraine. Thank God I live in America. As many issues as we have, we don't have people saying that publicly and getting away with it. So I am lucky. I love America. It's great. Now, I was reading through some things that have been going on inside of Ukraine on the ground. I ran across a report, which is a fairly standard thing in the military. You get these AARs, like after-action reports. You get something that's been happening. And this one, by the way... It's going to read a little bit different. This is like a debriefing and um, it translation issues and, and stuff like that. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to read it verbatim. Um, and it happened a few weeks ago, just so you guys know. But it's now being released. I would assume it's because they're allowed to let it to or allow it to be released because they got the information you need to have out of the individual. So here we go. On the second half of July, or excuse me, I already messed that up. In the second half of July 12th, there we go. As a result of the nicely planned operation by Ketter, And with the extra air surveillance and the artillery recovery by neighboring territorial defense and National Guard units, we entered the damned forest. Okay. Remember, there's going to be a little bit of correlation with with translation. It's going to be a little strange. The enemy diversion group was eliminated, and we collected a lot of trophies, a modern Kalishnikov, a machine gun, grenade launchers, military IDs, radios of the KIA. But the major achievement was actually the capture of the enemy group commander, Lieutenant Stasnev Trufnev, uh, project the name up doesn't really matter, but he was a lieutenant, and he was actually from a very special Russian de- detachment that is the 140th Special Ops Underwater Division Unit of the Northern Fleet. He was actually born in the Ukrainian city of Zaporizhia in the two, or 1989, so he's, he's what, 32-ish, 33-ish. He was provided with th- first aid, evacuated in a Russian mortar fire, received surgery, and was placed under arrest in one of the hospitals. He's now facing multiple interrogations, you guys would hope so and think so. That's pretty much what's going to happen. And uh, anyway, they're, they're, the chances of them getting a uh, more of their men back from a prisoner swap is what they're hoping to give this guy up. Uh, this is the first time we've actually seen any capture or mention of these units on the ground within Ukraine. Like this is like the equivalent of a, of a Navy SEAL, but clearly is going to be much less trained. But this is a Russian version. So there's that. Just want to throw that out there. Now we can actually move on to what is going on on the ground inside of Ukraine. All right. Now, Kharkiv, once again, is fairly quiet with not much not much going on when it comes to movement. Like, same deal as always. The Russians have been attempting to push through certain areas with a weak push, and it's been repelled. I think it's just where they can actually talk back to command. Yo, hey, I know you guys are back there chilling in Russia. We're, we're trying to get through Kharkiv. It's not panning out. It's just the same thing every day. That's pretty much what's going on. Now, moving south, just on the outside of Izium, on the northwest side of Izium, that is, the Russians have actually started to push out of the area of Barak. Like in hopes to actually possibly cut off the Ukrainian pocket that has been freely moving, targeting the supply routes and with ambushes and artillery. So this is one of the areas I think I told you guys about a week ago. This Ukrainian pocket that is right there, the Russians started moving out towards Chapel, going north. And I told you guys I would assume, and they they did. I would assume they're going to push south at some point to try to cut off this element and to push them out of here because it is literally within artillery range of the entire supply route, that ML3 route that comes in and Izium itself, they're literally able to hit it. But, I mean, if you guys take a step back, we're going to take a step back real quick, and, and, and look at the current advances in and around Izium, there's really no clear indication what their plan is. That is the Russians. They literally haven't gained any ground over a month. 
They've actually done nothing but lose ground and allowed the Ukrainians to figure out supply routes and also allowed them to set up a fairly decent defensive positions inside of this area. But they have. The Ukrainians have done a really phenomenal job holding this western side. Now we're going to be moving a little bit south. You guys can see these two little blue areas right there. Yes, now we're just now we're just north of Barbenkov. So everybody who's listening, we're just north of Barbenkov. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, the, the Ukrainian military has actually started a, a slightly, like, a decent offensive push right now. And they secured the town of Dubrovny. Okay. This is, they actually had, a, they roughly about this. So they've taken back a pretty good chunk. They, the Russians have attempted to push down through Bolonia again. That didn't pan out. They tried to push down south through this little pocket they lost. Once again, that didn't pan out. Now, this is fairly interesting because remember a few, few months back, the Russians had actually moved a bunch of their men out of this area and shifted them east to help with the front which has completely stalled out, by the way. It's lost its momentum, which a lot has to do with terrain. I believe it has to do with terrain. I've told you guys this, and I believe terrain is going to be a major factor in the eastern side. But since, I've, I've, I've literally read multiple reports to say that the Russian military has possibly started to shift these men from the east towards Kyrgyzstan, which I'm not entirely sure I believe. Like I think more, it's more true that they shifted them down to Bakhmat and actually attempted to push there, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But up towards Izium, the Ukrainian military has actually found another recon element, a, a Russian recon element, that is, which they weren't able to actually get anywhere, and they were eliminated. Now, I feel like we're in this weird cycle. So you hear, look at this map. You would have anticipated them to make a little bit of movement here. They're, they haven't been. Nothing in the eastern side. Nothing north of Slovenas. That entire river system, I told you guys, the Nets River, was going to be a problem because the southern side of it is literally all high ground. This entire area, if you guys are new to the channel, this is all high ground. I've been telling my people on this channel for well over a month now, them getting across that is going to be significantly difficult, and they needed to actually come in through this northern part of Slovenask, which they haven't been able to. They've actually lost a ton of ground there. Like, I feel like we're in this weird cycle where the Russians, they're, they're, they've lost most of their steam because beforehand it seemed like all fronts were moving somewhat each day. Like, maybe not moving and taking huge chunks of ground, but they were moving. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's, that's fairly common. But right now, the focus is the southern portion of Bakhmut. I, I, it's just like everything shifts. It was Izium. Remember, it was Izium. And then it shifted over here towards Lyman. And then it shifted over here to the eastern side. And now we're down here near Bakhmont. And this is where everything is moving again. It's just everything keeps rotating around. Now, is that because they don't know what they're doing? Lack of supplies? I, I don't know. They have a very large concentration of men. Like the largest element of men right now is just southeast of Bakhmont itself on the southern side of Solidar. So right here. This is one of the largest heaviest fighting areas as of right now like literally this area is currently where some of the heaviest fighting is taking place in the entire country now just south of here it seemed like the russians have actually pretty much all gone online they have they have secured quite a bit of ground over the last week or so mainly right here okay this has been the, the area where that little sombrero looking hat is that i just drew out on accident but that's pretty much it look they're pretty much all almost online shifting west okay they've taken a decent amount of ground and one of the one of the big things here is they're holding off a fairly large Russian advance, um, and they're, they, they honestly are being overpowered by the Russian army in, in certain areas. The Russians still have air superiority in this area, along with artillery. It's been hammering down on Ukrainian positions fairly regularly. That is the artillery. Now, Bakhmut itself is going to be difficult, fairly difficult, that is, to take when it comes to pushing through, mainly due to its terrain. Uh, the Russians have maybe realized and they need to gain access to the routes that are inside of this area to actually have any site type of success in the east. So if you guys are new, this blue dotted line you guys see right here, that's on a ridge line. That is a route that is on a ridge line. So that's a ridge line. There's another ridge line here. 
and another one big right here. So if you guys look at it from here, there's two routes that are leading into this area. They need to gain control of these routes to get through. Now, the situation south of Bakhmut is also starting to heat up. So just shifting down over here, you guys see Donetsk right here. All right, so there's Pisky, there's Edvika right there. So the situation on the south has started to heat up for the first time since basically the beginning of the war. The Russians are attempting to move towards Kamyanka, just north of there, that is, on the H-20 route, but the attacks were actually repelled, and they're currently applying a bit more pressure on the Ukrainian elements inside of the city of Edvika itself, like proper, but haven't been able to get into the city. So they're not in there. So they have been applying pressure come from the south and the southeast, from the southeastern side. Now, the Russians are currently attacking Pisky. All right, so here's Pisky right there. It's like a gander at Pisky. So Pisky, they're hitting Pisky from multiple different sides. Uh, currently, like right now, as we're, we're making this. And the Russians actually have claimed to have taken control of the town itself, but that claim has not yet been confirmed. So we're going to shift over to Kirsten. I'm just going to tell you guys right now, there hasn't been much movement on the outskirts of Kirsten itself, like the city itself, for any real reason. Like all, I, I think a lot has to do with it because they're, it seems like the Ukrainians have been taking like a different approach with most of this area. I think it has to do with terrain down there. Like it really, I think it has to do with the, it favors artillery and tanks more than like infantry ground movements. But they've been doing fairly well when it comes to regards to running special operations within the city itself. Like Russian troops have been distributing ammunition to many different points throughout the city, which is a clear indication that they expect there to be some sort of urban fighting coming in the near future or at least prepping for one. I don't know if that's, I, I would assume that's what they're, they're prepping for. Like, I've seen photos of Russian troops unloading ammo in random areas in the city itself, like inside of Kyrgyzstan, with one being a medical facility, which is somewhat smart because they know or they assume the Ukrainians aren't going to target it with the high Mars. And they have been hitting them over the, over the last two days. They hit one ammunition depot on the southern side of Kyrgyzstan. So they've actually, I think they're starting to learn they can't just hold all their ammunition in these one confined areas, and they're having to spread them out throughout the city, and now they're setting them up, waiting for this push to come through. I don't know how many men the Ukrainian military has down there. I did see a very large, like a very large convoy of tanks rolling through. I don't know if it's in this area. Judging by the terrain, it's somewhere in the south. I would assume it's somewhere in the south. Last I heard, a lot of these were actually on the northern side of Kyrgyzstan, like up on the very northern front. But I don't know what to be the case. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. I know Russian morale is very low. I saw a video uh, that was taken like two or three weeks ago of, of actual Russian soldiers saying they're not going to push forward. They didn't know they were coming here. They don't want to be here. What are you going to do? Like they're literally talking back to the commander. He's like, I'm going to arrest you for not listening. And like you're not going to do anything. Like this is, um, I, I don't know. It was, it was taken like two weeks ago. And this is just something we've seen over and over and over again. Like what do they have to fight for? What are the Russians fighting for inside of Ukraine as of right now? Can anybody give me the answer? I'm asking. I really want to know. Every single Ukrainian video that I see of these men on the ground, like Ukrainians, they're always very excited, is the best way to put it, to be fighting for their country to make sure people, are the Russians, aren't going to be taking their land. Like, that's what, that's the, that's like, I guess you would say the vibes I'm getting from seeing all these videos. And I watch a lot. Unfortunately, I'm still watching a ton of these things to paint a picture for you guys. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I will see you guys here in tomorrow or the next day. I do love you guys. I'm out. Thank you so much. Subscribe if you're new. See you guys tomorrow.